1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Deller. Johnny, Lieutenant Barry, homicide. Got messages from you three inches thick. Yeah, I've been trying to get hold of you all morning. It hasn't exactly been a social tea around here, you know. What with the murder of Dr. Palmquist's wife. Can I come down there to headquarters? Come ahead, and if you're a good boy, I'll introduce you to the man who did the killing. What? Of course he denies it completely. Who wouldn't? But will you hear his story? It's a wild one. Hold it. You're way ahead of me. You're saying you've got the killer there? That's what I'm saying. Well, who is he? You wouldn't know him. Nobody seems to. Make a little sense, will you, Lieutenant? Look, you coming down or not? Right now. <laughs> Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, California, to National Underwriters Association, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment... The long shot matter. Los Angeles traffic being what it is, there was plenty of time to think on the way to Barry's office. But think about what? An unsigned warning that someone was going to collect on a $100,000 policy? A frail, defeated woman who wasn't going to have to worry about weakness anymore. There was an awful lot to find out before this whole thing could begin to make sense. That was pretty obvious. The man I was going to see was anything but obvious. Big and round, he was like a fat cubie doll with a gun. You always had the feeling his round little eyes were dreaming past you, seeing an island where there was no jail cells. A lot of cons had made that mistake found out too late that Barry was as sharp as any homicide cop alive. Life is like that, eh, huh, Johnny? Yesterday your visit was social, today it's business. Yeah, just one dead woman can make a lot of difference. Sit down. Like I said, I'm way behind you. How did it happen? When? Sit down. I can't talk when you're standing. Okay. Santa Monica substation got the call about nine last night from Dr. Palmquist. He was real excited, said he was holding a rifle on a prowler who'd come in and shot and killed his wife. So we got out there fast. Wait a minute. Did the doctor know? (laughs) Let me tell it my way, huh? Okay. We found Mrs. Palmquist dead on the living room floor, and the doctor's still holding this guy at rifle point. 38 Colt lay in a corner with nobody paying much attention to it. Ballistic says it's the murder weapon, all right. What's the doctor's story? Says he was out on a house call, got home a couple of minutes before nine. On the way to the front door, he glanced through the living room window, saw this Prowler holding a gun on Mrs. Palmquist. The doctor got into the house quietly and was sneaking up from behind when the Prowler heard him and got rattled. The Prowler fired and killed the woman just as the doc brought a paperweight down on his head. Nice, huh? A little out of left field... Funny, I always thought prowlers and gunmen are two different things. Nothing says it can't happen, and the evidence says it didn't. What does that mean? That this is one prowler who's sewn up tight, because everything checks out. The thirty-eight is his, his prints are on it, lab found the lock he forced to get in. What else you want, a moving picture? Well, don't get mad, don't get mad, I'm just asking. Now, that house call the doctor was out on, I'm a stranger in town, but isn't that kind of a late hour to see a patient, unless it's a real emergency? Not when they look like this one. Oh. I checked with her this morning. She could make me go to medical school right now, even at this age. Nice, huh? Put it this way. Her first name ought to be Marilyn. Well, that's pretty clear. Who is she? A Mrs. Laura Considine. 35, widow, money, and everyone should look like that. She been Dr. Palmquist's patient long? Three or four years. And she backs up the story of the house call completely. You sold? I want to know about the prowler. Who is he? Ex-con, drifter, 57 years old. Got a record that goes way back. What kind of record? I was afraid you'd ask, because that's the fly in the ointment. It's a long sheet and it's buried. Bunko, con game, badger, bad checks, pigeon drop, all small stuff. But not an ounce of violence anywhere. A killing's way out of pattern, isn't it? Yeah. This prowler, what does he claim? It's so wild, I'm embarrassed to repeat it. How's chances of my seeing him? Maybe he'll tell me. Barry took me upstairs to what they call the hotshot section. A Very exclusive floor, this one, because the cells hold only prisoners suspected of the big rap, murder. You know something? I never had a place like this, but what an old fallacy comes bouncing back into my mind, that bit about being able to tell a man's character by looking at him. What does a murderer look like? Go ahead, put yourself out on that limb, but don't drag me out there with you. Because the man sitting quietly in cell 8A looked about as hard and dangerous as a Victorian anima Lonnie Miller, prowler and murder suspect. Lonnie Miller, gray-haired, tall and slim. A man with good straight bearing even while he sat. Yet, with a delicacy about him. Or maybe it was just the natural good manners of
0: the born con man. I didn't know.
1: Yell when you want out, Johnny.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to change the story. I'll tell it again, but it'll be the same. Is that what you want, officer?
1: I'm not the police, Miller. My name is
0: Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. It's a little late for me to buy insurance, isn't it? Miller, you don't have
1: to talk to me if you don't want to, but you'd be helping yourself if you told me the truth. They didn't believe me. Not one word. Why would you? Our jobs are different. My interest is in the
0: insurance angle. Did you kill Mrs. Palmquist? I'm nearly 60, mister, and I've done everything in the book, almost everything. But I never killed. Never. I can't make them see that. Yeah, I know. told them a hundred times, word for word, step by step. They just sit and look at me. What do I have to do to make them believe I didn't do it?
1: From what I hear, they've got an awful lot of evidence that says you did.
0: You too, huh? Go away, mister. You may be a little different kind of cop, but you're talking like all the others. You're thinking like them. Let me alone. You haven't got much chance, Miller, if that's your only answer to evidence. Evidence? I know all about that stuff. You can buy it and sell it, manufacture it, make it stand up and do tricks. The cops... Miller, you're talking
1: through your hat. You've been the route. Do you know one case where the police ever manufactured evidence? And I don't mean con talk. I mean one you actually know of.
0: Oh, what's the difference? Look, why don't you tell me about it? Think you could listen without sneering? Nobody else can. Try me, huh? Now, how did you get into this? I just finished doing time in San Diego. Been hitchhiking my way up from there. Four nights ago, a truck let me off on the Pacific Coast Highway, about 15 miles south of L.A. A few minutes later, a man in a big cad gave me a lift. Nice enough, fella. A little nosy about where I was from, where I was going, things like that. But, But nice. Yeah, go on. After about five minutes, he decided we needed coffee. So we stopped at a little tacos joint. Ten minutes later, we were back on the road. After about two miles, he said it felt like we had a flat. So we stopped. It was a flat, all right, left rear. So? Well, he had given me the lift. The least I could do was to change his tire, so I did it. He was real friendly the rest of the way. Told me to stick around town and he'd see I got a job. Gave me a twenty told me where to get a room, said to wait for him to phone. He said his name was Carter. You do what he said? Last night he called me, said to be at his house at 9 Sharp to meet a man who had a job for me, an address in the Palisades. Well, go on. The house was dark when I got there, so I rang the bell. Someone opened the door. I took one step inside and got hit on the head. Next thing I know, I'm coming to on the living room floor. There's a dead woman, a few feet away. And my friend Carter's holding a rifle at my head, threatening to blow it off if I move. Only when the cops got there, they didn't call him Carter, but Dr. Palmquist. Palmquist? Melody, do you realize what you're saying? I know. And every word of it's the truth. Now tell me this, mister. How do I get anyone to believe it?
1: Miller sat there quietly Looking first at his burning cigarette Then at me It was as though he didn't expect either one of us to believe him I was glad to get out of there Well, I'll say this much for Miller, Johnny He's got that story down pat He didn't tell you one word that he hasn't been telling us Lieutenant, does Dr. Palmquist know what Miller claims? We haven't discussed it Didn't I tell you the doctor's resting at Blair Hospital for a day or so? Shock of his wife's death. Do you intend to tell him? Look, I know you're a fellow who automatically roots for the underdog, but face it, boy, what have I got? An ex-con with a wild story against a respected citizen with a perfect alibi. I'd look kind of silly questioning Palmquist at the moment. At the moment? Does that mean you've got doubts about Palmquist? I doubt everybody till the last page, boy. That's how I got to be a lieutenant. That's where we left it. I had a long, thoughtful lunch, which included two very dry martinis aimed at helping solve a new problem. To which, how best to arrange a few words with a hospitalized Dr. Palmquist at such a delicate time. In the end, I did the only thing I could, walked into room 913 at Blair Hospital and introduced myself. Dr. Palmquist didn't seem at all surprised by the visit. He seemed annoyed, if anything. But the annoyance was with himself. I'm not a very good advertisement for my own profession at the moment, am I, Mr. Dollar? I, uh, I'm sorry to intrude, Doctor. I probably could have picked a better time for a visit. You've been doing your best. What? Which do you prefer, Mr. Dollar, my office or my home? Would you like the names of a few friends? Perhaps they can tell you whatever it is you're trying to find out about me. It's my job, Doctor.
0: And just what is your job, Mr. Dollar?
1: Insurance investigator. For the company that holds the policy on Mrs. Palmquist and yourself. I see. Then you can stop running around now, can't you? You can simply go to the police and they'll tell you anything you want to know. Doctor, may I... Mr. Dover, I don't usually prescribe without a thorough examination, Bob. Please do. Very well. I don't think California is your cup of tea. I suggest another climate entirely. The visit was over. Palmquist lay back against the pillows, no longer interested, and I turned to leave. Just as I was reaching for the door, it opened... and one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen started into the room. I think you have the wrong room, madam. For a moment, she just stood there, startled. Then, without a word, she turned and hurried out. But not before I'd gotten a good look at the large block initials on the purse she carried, L.C. The two letters, plus the way she looked, made Laura Considine a pretty good bet. Nice twist, huh? The doctor is ill, and the patient comes to call. You can't trust anybody these days, can you? Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, beauty may be skin deep, but fear goes a lot further down than that, sometimes as far as death. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.